We're in Matthew chapter 1 this morning. We talked a little bit a couple weeks ago about how God was setting the stage for the birth of Christ. First with an an announcement to Zacharias that his wife Elizabeth was going to bear a son. They were going to name him John. He would grow up to be John the Baptist, the forerunner of Christ. We saw as Zacharias had to work through that. He and his wife were elderly, uh, well stricken in age, the Bible says. And Zacharias didn't respond with the greatest amount of faith. And as a result of that, the the angel Gabriel said, you're not going to be able to speak. You're going to be dumb until this baby is born so that you can understand that, that God's power is not limited. Um, and uh, so she conceived, and uh, man, a lifetime of prayers were answered in a single moment. And we learned up, we learned, don't give up on God. We learned, don't doubt the Lord. And we saw that God is setting the stage. Elizabeth and, and her child were going to later be used to encourage Mary in her own journey. Uh, last week, we talked from Luke chapter 1 as the angel Gabriel appeared to her. And let her know that she had been chosen by God to be the vessel through whom the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of God would be born. Mary asked the question, how shall this be, seeing I know not a man? Unlike Zacharias, that wasn't a question of doubt. She just wanted to know, how does this happen? I'm uh, I'm engaged, uh, but I've not had a physical relationship with a man, so how can I have a child? And the angel told her, the Holy Ghost is going to come upon you. The power of the highest shall overshadow you. And that, that which shall be born of you shall be the Son of God. She, she accepted it by faith. Her answer to the Lord and to the Lord's messenger was one that we ought to all sit up and take note to. She said, behold the handmaid of the Lord. Be it unto me according to thy word. Would God that I would be that way every time the Lord asked something of me. Yes, Lord, I'm your servant whatever you want. And Mary did so. We saw her marvelous praise uh, in Luke chapter one, where verse after verse was just a reference to scripture. That young lady, even though she was a simple girl that grew up in the backwater region known as Nazareth, um, and today we might consider them hillbillies or something like that. Boy, that girl knew her Bible. And when she began to praise God, she was pulling from scriptures all from all over uh, the Old Testament of the Bible. And, and we saw from that lady a yieldedness and a faith that even Zacharias, her elder, Zacharias, who had served the Lord as a priest his entire life, was lacking in. Today, we're going to switch from Luke to the Gospel of Matthew where we see the next character in, in this story that uh, unfolds before us. And the Lord comes to a man by the name of Joseph. He is Mary's fiance. They are espoused together. In Bible days, engagement was a legal binding contract. Uh, You will find, and and we'll look at some verses in a moment, uh, he has already called her husband, even though they've not had the marriage ceremony, it's not been consummated, they live in separate houses. They've entered into this contract, and the only way to end it is by a legal divorce. It was a very important thing. And Joseph, we learn from Luke chapter two, was of the house and lineage of David. David was the king of Israel. It was promised to David that of his seed, the Messiah was gonna come. And that promise was outlined all the way through the Bible and Joseph was of that royal line. Joseph grew up, he was born and raised in Bethlehem, 
the place where his stepson, Jesus Christ, would one day be born, the place where his great-great-something grandfather, David, was born, that is where Joseph was from. Now, understand this. He's got royal blood in his veins. He's in the line, the royal line to be a king of Israel, yet he's living in Nazareth, hill country. He's a carpenter. Nothing wrong with that, not at all, but that's a far cry from being a king, isn't it? He's, he's got rough hands from, from, from his work. Probably, as is the custom of the day, Joseph is busy building the home that he and his bride will one day occupy and where he looked forward to they would raise their family there. And as a carpenter, I'm sure he's putting all of his free time and expense into building this home where, where they would dwell. Mary left Bethlehem rather, rather uh, quickly. The Bible says after the angel Gabriel appeared to her that she went down to one of the cities of Judea where Zacharias and Elizabeth lived. Elizabeth was a cousin, an elder cousin of Mary. Elizabeth was in her sixth month of pregnancy when Mary arrived there. And uh, so Mary was there and she was there until it appears right before John the Baptist was born. So about three months have gone by. Mary came home. But when Mary came home, and I'm sure Joseph missed her, you didn't email, and you didn't text, and you didn't FaceTime in those days. There was little or no communication, and I'm sure Joseph missed his bride. I'm sure he thought about her every day. I'm sure with every nail that he hammered into the walls, putting up a beam or a, 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 some, a, you know, whatever, the, a window or whatever, he was thinking, someday Mary's going to look out this window. Someday Mary and I are going to sit at this table. And he's looking forward to the wedding day and the time when, when uh, they're going to be together. And oh, how his heart must have ached for her. And then she came home. And she was pregnant. Three months so. A little town like Nazareth, that was a scandal. Suddenly, everybody's looking at Joseph, and the question is, is there, is this your child? If so, you and Mary have been immoral. And everybody's already questioning her, and now they're questioning him, and the town is in an up where small towns can be rough places sometimes. And that's where we find this man by the name of Joseph. Verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ. Christ is not Jesus' last name. That is his title. The Messiah. The birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. When is his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph? Before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Imagine if you were Joseph. You're looking at the house you built with all those dreams in it, and it, the house doesn't mean much anymore. You were looking forward to a wedding day. That doesn't mean much anymore. Your whole attitude, your whole thought life about Mary has completely changed because Joseph knew, if nobody else did in Nazareth, Joseph knew, that's not my child. That's not my child. Joseph knew no matter what they said about him, in speculation, by the way, in human nature, an ugly thing sometimes. Uh, we, we love to get into the grapevine and get our, our hands messy with all the gossip and the juice of the day. And we generally form a very negative opinion. And poor Joseph, poor Joseph had to endure all of that. 
That's where he comes in, verse number 19. I want you to notice some things about this man. Joseph wasn't your typical guy. Just as God very wisely chose Mary to bear the Christ child, because of her faith, because of her purity, because of her surrender, God knew exactly what he was doing because he chose Joseph to be the man that would raise the son of God. Think about that. He was going to raise him. He was going to protect him. He was going to provide for him. Knowing the entire time that is not my child, but he's going to do it anyhow. My father, who's in heaven now, was a stepchild. He was a stepson. He never for sure knew who his biological father was. This was back in the 1920s when my father was conceived. And uh, my father went to his grave with only speculation about who his dad might be. My grandmother married a man. His last name was Gettinger. But uh, uh, my dad was named after my, my grandmother's maiden name. I heard stories from my father's uncles after dad went to heaven. And his stepfather treated him worse than an animal. He was regularly physically beaten. He was shut up in the coal cellar and and forced to spend the night over the slightest infraction. Stories just go on and on as the way my father was treated by his stepfather. God in heaven is about to send his son to the earth to be born as a human being. And to be born as the most helpless of such as 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 a newborn baby boy. Do you understand God's going to be very cautious about who's going to be the stepfather of the Lord Jesus Christ? And he found the man. He found this man named Joseph. Would you notice with me, according to the scripture, some things the Bible tells us about him. Verse 19, then Joseph, her husband, notice this, being a just man. He was a just man. There are only six people in the Bible that are given this title. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 6 and verse 9 that Noah was a just man. The Bible says of John the Baptist in Mark chapter 6 that he was a just man. The Bible says of an elderly man named Simeon who when Jesus was dedicated as a baby was in the temple and he also was very old but he'd been promised that he would not die till he had seen the Lord's Christ with his own eyes. The Bible says that Simeon was a just man. Acts chapter 10 and verse 22 tells us that a Roman centurion who would later get saved, that he was a a just man who feared God. The only other person in the Bible that that title was given to was the Lord Jesus Christ himself in Matthew 27 and verse 19. So you understand of all the people that are given to us in the Bible and their stories unfold. And some of them were remarkable individuals. Uh, Men like Enoch who died, or I'm sorry, went to heaven without physical death. Elijah who called down fire from heaven. Moses who was called the friend of God, who saw God face to face. None of them were called a just man, but Joseph was. Joseph wasn't a priest or a prophet. And though he had royal blood in his veins, he would never sit upon a throne. He would be a carpenter. He would be known as such throughout his entire life. Yet the Bible places him with Noah and John the Baptist and even the Lord Jesus himself saying, being a just man. That phrase, a just man, 
has several connotations. It's like a diamond with multiple facets. It means he was a righteous man. Not only that he was what we would call a saved man, he was righteous in the way he lived his life. He did right. In everything that came upon him, he would always seek to do the right thing, the thing that honored God the most. It also means that he was a straight man. And I'm not talking as opposed to gay, something like that. means there was no crookedness, no perversion in him. Uh, he, he walked the straight and narrow. With Joseph, he always knew where he was and what he stood for and all of that. It also is defined that he was a true man. For sake of time, we're not going to do this, but if you go back to Genesis chapter 42, there we see that Joseph is the second in charge of the nation of Egypt. He is dressed as an Egyptian. He speaks in the Egyptian tongue and he is over the distribution of all the wealth and food in Egypt as people come in during the years of famine. The famine's gone on for two years. One day as Joseph is, is overseeing this distribution, uh, 10 men walked into, into the area, whether it was indoors or outdoors, the Bible doesn't say, and immediately Joseph recognized them as his 10 older brothers. These are the men that had mistreated him his entire life. The Bible says they hated him so fiercely they could not speak peaceably unto him. They couldn't give him a kind word his whole growing up years. He had not seen them since he was 17 years old. He's now 39 years old. 22 years have gone by in the interim. They had sold him as a slave and pocketed the money. Those men went home. Joseph had no idea how they dealt with his father about it. But we know from the Bible that they took his coat of many colors and they tore it into uh, pieces and then they killed an animal and, and splattered the blood on it and they took it home and they showed it to Jacob, Joseph's dad, and said, is this your son's coat? That's all they did. They didn't say he was killed by an animal. They just said, is it your son's coat? And Jacob recognized it. And Jacob just automatically assumed that his son had been killed by a wild beast. And the boys let him believe a lie. Joseph did not know that part of the story yet, but he knew they had to have done something to talk to their dad and, and convince him about Joseph's absence, why he didn't return home. Joseph lived as a slave he was eventually convicted of a crime he didn't commit. And it all goes back to those, those 10 older brothers. It all goes back to them. They should have been protecting him. They should have been looking out for him. Uh, they should have been his role models and they were his tormentors every moment of his life. Then he, he, he spent years in a, an Egyptian jail before finally God turned things around and now he's in charge of all of Egypt and his 10 brothers are in front of him. He doesn't reveal himself right away. They don't recognize him. There's a difference between a 17-year-old and a 39-year-old man. And not only that, he dressed and looks like an Egyptian. Uh, he's speaking in the Egyptian tongue, speaking through interpreters to people from various countries and so forth. They have no idea that that's their little brother sitting on the throne of Egypt, second in, in power. And he begins to question them and where are you from? And, and they're sort of telling him the story. We are all, we are all sons of the same man. Um, there are 10 of us and we have one, the youngest home with our dad and the other, they just said, and one is not. They didn't know if he's dead or alive. They just, one is not. And Joseph said, 
I don't know that I believe you. I think you're spies. You've been sent here to spy out the land, see if we got some weakness to come in and and, and plunder us. And, And their answer to him said, we are not spies. We are true men. They used that phrase. We are true men. They would use it twice in Genesis chapter 42, verses 11, verse 31. We're true men. We're the real deal. Everything we're telling you is honest and true and everything about us is honest and true. What you see is the reality. But the man on the throne knew that that was a lie because he knew what they were. He knew what they had done, but here they're standing trying to pass themselves off in a moment of controversy. No, 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 you got it all wrong. We are true men. Joseph was a true man and that is God's estimation of him. Most men will proclaim everyone his own goodness, but a faithful man who can find. This is not Joseph saying, hey, I'm a just man. It is the Bible proclaiming of him. Now, Joseph, her husband, being a just man. That idea of being a just man means that he had a heart that sought to please God. There are some people that do right because they have no other choice. They have to. Somebody makes them do it. There are others that say, nobody tells me what to do and they're not going to do right and they don't care. And then there's someone like Joseph that no one has to make them do right. It comes from their heart. There's something on the inside of them says, I do not want to displease my God. I do not want to dishonor his name. And that translates into all areas of life. I don't want to dishonor my parents. I don't want my parents to hang their head in shame because of my my behavior, my actions, my deeds. Joseph was a just man and, and everything about him was the real deal. The greatest compliment that my wife ever gave to anyone was that person is real. Her favorite preacher was Pastor Charlie Clark. It's it Solomon Rock in, in New Jersey, the older, the dad. And my wife, my, she's, the, she's the reason that uh, he spoke at her funeral service. She said, that's who I want there. She said, because he's real. He's real. That was Joseph. By the way, everything else that we're going to see about him that is revealed in Scripture, it all comes back to this one thing. He was a just man. He was a just man. You can depend on a just man. You can know that no matter what the circumstance, a just man will always seek to do right. The just man won't be looking for an out. The just man won't be looking for a loophole. The just man won't be looking for a way to get around or skirt the rules. A just man is just there saying, I want to do that which is right. It's in his heart. By the way, he's very much like his ancestor, David, who God referred to as a man after mine own heart. Now, we know that David wasn't sinless and perfect, and David made a few very, very big mistakes in his life. But up until that point, he just had this testimony. He wanted to do right. That's the way Joseph was. Can I say this? God never called David a just man. David penned words of divine scripture. David was the sweet psalmist of Israel. David was the one that brought the 12 tribes of Israel together such as they'd never been in all of their history. David is the one that that conquered their enemies so that when his son Solomon ascended the throne, peace reigned in the land of Israel where they'd had nothing but war for over 500 years. David was that man, and yet God never said that David was a just man. Does not mean that he wasn't. 
Just God didn't give him that title, but he did give it to this humble carpenter. In other words, you don't have to have a title to be a just man or a just lady, a just adult, a just parent, a just teenager. This is Joseph. This is the man that God said, I'm gonna trust you to raise my son and take care of him in his most vulnerable years. There's the second thing I want you to notice about Joseph. Verse 19, if your Bibles are still open. The Bible says, then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. Notice this. She's come home and she is three months with child. He knows it's not his. The, the rumor mills, mills are in, in, in full working force all throughout Nazareth. He is humiliated and, and his family's humiliated and all of this. And, and he has been wronged and he's a just man. You understand whatever he decided to do to her, he could have carried out the law to the, 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 the straightest level, which meant take her outside of town and stone her to death. But he didn't being a just man and not willing to make her a public example. In his mind, he didn't know that she was still faithful. He didn't know that she was right. And I mean, how is she supposed to, how is she supposed to convince everybody that no, 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 an angel came and appeared to me and, and, and told me that I was going to have a child and, and this child's of the Holy Ghost and, and all. How, is, how in the world is she going to convince everybody? I mean, she didn't get her phone out and take a selfie with Gabriel. There's, there's, you wouldn't have believed it, nor would I, and I don't think Joseph did either. But no matter how hurt he was, he was still a merciful man. Do you know that you can be just and you can be right? You can live a holy life and you don't have to be mean. You don't have to be self-righteous. You don't have to be judgmental. Keep your place in Matthew 1. Can I have you turn to Psalm 112? Psalm 112. Look at verse number five. We'll go with verse number four. Under the upright, there ariseth light in the darkness. And when you're walking with God, I don't care how dark the night may be. I don't care how dark the day may be. God will grant you light. He is gracious and full of compassion and righteous. He's talking about the the, the upright man. A good man showeth favor, that means grace, and lendeth. He will guide his affairs with discretion. Surely he shall not be moved forever. The righteous shall be in everlasting remembrance. You understand that this is the description of an upright man, a just man, such as Joseph was. Notice again, he is gracious. He is full of grace and full of compassion and righteous all at the same time. What a testimony this man Joseph had. He's been wronged. Humanly speaking, he's got every right to be angry. Humanly speaking, he's got every right and he's got biblical right to carry things out. But the Bible says he's not willing to make her a public example. He was minded to put her away. That's a phrase meaning divorce her, but privately. I'll just... 
have it all ended and she'll go off somewhere and I'll start over again by myself, but we're going to do it in a way that I don't, I don't, I don't make her the center of the scandal sheets. That's just the way it's going to be. This, this man was a merciful man. Be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. Do you realize the only reason you have to forgive anybody at any time is because they've done you wrong? Am I right? It wasn't supposed to be a play on a word. Play on words that kind of come out that way. Be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Do you realize we've got that scripture and a host of others that hadn't even been penned by the New Testament writers yet? And Joseph was the embodiment of that. He was a righteous man. He walked the straight and narrow way. He was a true man. Uh, he wasn't putting on a pretense of, of acting spiritual when certain people are around and then behind their backs, he was a different guy. He was the same everywhere he went and that means he was godly everywhere he went. He had been severely wronged and humiliated and yet the one who, who he thought did that to him, he's got this heart full of mercy for her. I, I don't know about you, I have to admire that. Because isn't, let's be honest, isn't forgiveness sometimes hard for us? Anybody here struggle with that? I can't imagine what Joseph was going through. He was not just a just man and a merciful man, he was a thoughtful man. By that I don't mean that he opened the door for ladies. I, I don't mean that he stood up when a lady walked in the room. I don't mean that kind of thoughtful. I mean he put thought and everything that he said and did. Notice verse 20. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. When we're in stress, when we're in trouble, when we, we find ourselves in conflict, isn't it amazing how how uh, rash we become in the things that we say. When, when we're angry, we will sometimes say things we would never say in a more rational moment. And sometimes we justify, well, you don't know how mad I was. Well, you don't know what they did. Right is still right and wrong is still wrong. Joseph wasn't that kind of guy while he thought on these things. Do you realize he could have gone out in a, in a heartbeat and he could have condemned Mary in front of the village and taken her out and it would have been done and over with had not God intervened. He could have gone ahead and started all of that, but while he thought on these things, what's the right thing to do? What's the right way to go about this? How should I handle this? The Bible says in Proverbs chapter four, verse 26, ponder the path of thy feet. And let all thy ways be established. I've used the illustration before. When I walk somewhere, I have to watch and see where I'm going to take my next step. If the floor, a floor such as this one has, I see a spot of water on the floor. I have to be very careful because if I step on that with a prosthesis on my leg, I have no way of controlling it. That water will act just like ice for me and my leg will go askew and I'll be down on the floor. So I have to carefully look and see if there's any obstacle, any kind of a danger in the way lest I should fall. And the Bible says in Proverbs 4, that's how we're to live our life. Ponder the path 
of thy feet. Is this the step God would have me to take? Is this the right step or is this step going to cause me to slip or stumble or fall? The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 29, he that is slow to wrath is of great understanding. If you got a hair trigger temper, temper, you need to train in your, trade in your gun and get something a little more reliable. Hair trigger tempers destroy far more than they help. He that is slow to wrath is of great understanding, but he that is hasty of spirit exalteth folly. He that is hasty of spirit. My wife was a shopper. Most ladies here that knew her know that to be true. My wife believed almost that it was a sin to pay full price for anything, including at the grocery store. Um, amen. Somebody's agreeing. Was that Donna? She woke up in church. I'm so excited. When she got sick, we became very concerned about the contents of the food that she would eat. There were certain things on a list uh, that we received that cancer patients shouldn't have, sugar being a number one thing, certain preservatives and things like that. So we got into the habit of reading labels everywhere we went. When we went to the grocery store, and I'm the kind, I just walk through and I know what I want. I pick it up, put it in the cart, and I'm out of there. Uh, I don't want to be there any longer than possible. But once she got sick, we didn't do that anymore. It was a long time. We went to a place that the, the, uh, it was called Whole Foods. Isn't that supposed to be everything's, everything's good there? Am I right? That's what it's billed? Uh, we, didn't, we didn't use sugar, uh, but my wife would use stevia. And so, we're, so we went down and there, they have a whole section of stevia and, and uh, she's, she's looking at prices and, and, and comparing uh, all of that. And uh, for some reason, she picked up this package of stevia that was the best bargain the best bargain, the most stevia for the, 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 the lowest price. But she just happened to turn it around. Do you know what the first ingredient in that package of stevia was? Cane sugar. You realize that if she hadn't done that, she would have taken it home and begun using it, putting sugar in her body. Cancer feeds on sugar. It thrives on that. It's attracted to that. She would be defeating her purpose of trying to, 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 to stop the cancer and, and its spread and so forth. But because she took her time and she read some things, she found out, oh, no, there's something in there that's bad for me. Can you imagine if we would do that with life? Before we start running with that crowd to take a step back and say, is that, is that crowd lining up with the Bible or is there someone in that crowd that's bad for me? Before I do that particular thing, is that thing going to have complications and consequences that are going to be bad for me? Now, I realize sometimes standing for God will, will get you some ridicule, but I'm, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about it's going to lead you away from God. It's going to lead you down. It's going to hurt you somewhere in your life. Do you understand that Joseph was this type of man, a thoughtful man, nothing hasty. He could have ended things with that, that poor girl at any moment, but while he thought on these things, I believe sometimes that God wants to speak to all of us, but we've already decided what we're going to do. We've already decided what we're going to say. We've already decided the course of our life, and we haven't taken one moment to, to just stop and think about it and say, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? Amen. Joseph was a just man. He was a merciful man, and he was a thoughtful man, and because of those first three things, God could talk to him. 
Let's, let's look at it again. Verse 20. But while he thought on these things, the, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream. I'm sure Mary told him about the angel that appeared to her. And I'm sure he didn't believe it because he was minded to put her away privily. And all of a sudden, it's the angel of the Lord. Doesn't give a name here. Wouldn't surprise me if it's Gabriel. Gabriel often appears as the angel delivering messages for God, from God to man. But he appeared unto him in a dream saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. She was telling the truth. This is God. This is God about to do the greatest thing the history of mankind up to that point. Possibly only the resurrection of Christ could rank as a greater miracle than God becoming flesh and dwelling amongst us. And she shall bring forth a son and thou shalt call his name, not Joseph after you. Thou shalt call his name Jesus. It means God is my savior. For he shall save his people from their sins. Now, all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet saying, behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. The angel backed it up with scripture saying, Joseph, all of this is according to the Bible. Remember in Isaiah, remember that promise, a virgin shall conceive and bring forth a son. You're going to, his name will be called Emmanuel. Now, there's no evidence in the scriptures during his lifetime here that anybody referred to Jesus as Emmanuel, but we know that Jesus was God who became flesh, and every moment he spent on this earth, God was with us. By the way, once we got saved and his Holy Spirit came to indwell us, God is with us. Do you understand? One of these days we're going to go to heaven that where he is, there we may be also. It'll be Emmanuel forever. Can you imagine Joseph as he wakes up from that and he realizes, I'm a part of God's plan. I was about to do something foolish. I, 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 was, I was about to throw her away. I, I refused to believe her, but God had a plan and God's revealed himself to me. All because he was a just man with this heart that wanted to do right. He was this merciful man who was kind even when hurt. And he was a thoughtful man who didn't just act on impulse or emotion or rashly. He was not hasty of spirit. And while he thought on these things, God got through to him. God could talk to him. Now, listen very carefully. There's one more thing we've got to understand about this. If Joseph marries that girl. In the eyes of the scandal mongers of Nazareth. Joseph is either saying, I don't care if she's being unfaithful. It doesn't matter to me. Purity doesn't matter to me. And I'm not the man you thought I was. Or, and most likely they're going to say, Joseph is the dad. Joseph was just as immoral as Mary. And by the way, you can't very well stop scandal mongers when they want to scandal mong. If that's a word, you can't stop it. Some people live in the grapevine. That's, that's, by the way, all you get there is messy. 
Joseph couldn't stop it. Do you realize the people of Nazareth in that day and age in their mindset, they would probably shun him. Who's going to do business with somebody like that? They were afraid the scandal would rub off on them. Joseph understands his family's not going to understand him. Her family already is in an uproar. And now he's going to marry this girl because he saw a vision, a dream by night. And this angel came to him. He can't prove that any more than Mary could. There's one more thing about Joseph I want you to understand. Joseph was not just a just man and a merciful man and a thoughtful man. He was an obedient man. The Bible says in verse 24, then Joseph being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him and took unto him his wife. He went ahead and just had the wedding then and there and knew her not, no physical relation till she had brought forth her firstborn son. It wasn't his, her firstborn son. And he, Joseph, called his name Jesus, just like the angel told him to do. He didn't, he didn't sit and, and uh, wait around for six months. He didn't argue with the Lord. But you understand what this is going to cost me. You understand what people are going to think. He just said, if that's what God wants, that's what God gets. And that was Joseph. He was an obedient man. Um, look, if you would, please, to chapter 2. Verse number 9. Uh, um, I'm sorry. Let's, let, let's look at verse number um, 13. This after the wise men came to Bethlehem. When they were departed, the wise men, behold, an angel, the angel of the Lord appeareth to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, and take the young child and his mother, and flee into Egypt, and be thou there uh, until I bring thee word, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. When he arose, when he woke up, he took the young child and his mother by night. That tells me he woke up in the middle of the night. He did not wait. He did not linger he obeyed God right away and departed into Egypt and was there until the death of Herod. You understand it wasn't long after they left town that Herod's soldiers came in and slaughtered all of the infants two years old and under. This, they weren't in the manger anymore. They were living in a house. We think Jesus was probably a two-year-old. He was a toddler at this time. Isn't it amazing that God chose a stepfather for his son that was going to obey God just like that. I wish I was that way. I, I'd be lying if I said I was. I tend to drag my feet a little bit, especially if God's asking a hard thing of me. But can I just say this? I've never, ever regretted obeying God. Never, ever, ever regretted obeying God. But I have regretted disobeying God. Every time God entrusted the son of God, the word who became flesh dwelt amongst us. He came as that innocent baby. God entrusted him to this man with rough carpenter's hands, living up in the backwater hills of Galilee in a place called Nazareth. Didn't have a high bred education. Oh, he had royal blood in his veins, but he's never going to sit on the throne of Israel. If you will, his family's fallen on hard times. He's a poor man too. Even though he's a carpenter, he's a poor man. When they went into the temple to dedicate Jesus, they brought the offering that the Bible says that somebody that's too poor to bring in a lamb can bring in two turtle doves or two pigeons. That's what Joseph and Mary brought at the dedication of Jesus. 
But God didn't care if he had calluses on his hands or not. He didn't care if he had rings on his fingers. He didn't care if he dressed in fine apparel and lived in a palace somewhere. God didn't look at those things. He looked inside and he saw this just godly, honest, true man. He saw a man had a heart of mercy because he was going to need that when everything broke out. He found a man that was a thoughtful man and everything, his thoughts, he directed them towards what does God want. And he chose a man that was going to obey God without question. And every time you see Joseph in the Bible, every time, and he's not seen as much as Mary, obviously not seen near as much as his stepson, but every time you see Joseph in the Bible, he is obeying God. There's sometimes that I preach about somebody like this and I step back and I stand in awe and I wonder if I'd have lived in Nazareth at that time, could God have even considered me? Or would he just said, nah, I'd like to use Tom, but he's such a hothead. Or I'd like to use Tom, but he's not what he seems. I'd like to use Tom, but he's not very nice to people. I'd like to use Tom, but he only obeys when somebody makes him do it or if he sees something in it for him. I'd, I'm going to choose somebody else. God is always looking for someone. God put these accounts in the word of God for you and I, not just to marvel about the miracle of the birth of Christ. And next Sunday, we're going to really focus on that as we prepare for Christmas day. But, but you understand with Zacharias, with Mary, with Joseph, it all comes back to, are we, are we that yielded to God? And God needs people today to serve him. God needs people today to take the gospel message that God sent his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God wants us to go out to our, our neighborhoods and our workplaces and our schools and be a light unto the lost, to be the salt of the earth, to be those ones who are the watchmen on the wall. And he's just looking for some simple people like us to be what we're supposed to be, to what we proclaim that we are. Joseph was a just man, are we? A merciful man, are we? A thoughtful man, are we? And an undeniably obedient man, are we? Father, thank you for this amazing account of Joseph.